Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us for the All Saints Lutheran Sermon Series of Podcasts. We're so delighted that you've landed on this page, and we ask that you contextualize yourself by reading the descriptor. Enjoy, and let us know what you think. Please feel free to be seated. If I sit... Oh, gosh, you can see me. At least I can see you. It's a little wriggling around helps so very much. Thank you. When Jules and I talked and I realized that this Sunday was Juneteenth, I asked her if I could preach. Because Juneteenth, which you know as the celebration freedom from slavery, brings up three things in my mind. Jesus' most powerful miracle, most important. The historical geography of the Bible, which Joan will help me with and my daughter, Sarah. Juneteenth, as you know, is a celebration of freedom that's June 19th, 1865, when General Gordon Granger of the Union troops rode into Galveston, Texas, to tell everyone that the slaves were free. There was no more slavery. Abraham Lincoln had signed the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 19, uh, 1863, two and a half years later, General Gordon Granger rode into Galveston, Texas, and told the slaves they were free. And you know what followed that. All my nice notes fell on the ground. I will go get them. Um, what has... Jesus' most famous miracle to do with the freedom of the slaves. Jesus gathered all the people, welcomed all the people, enjoyed all the people, and had them all sit down. It went like this. In the 8th chapter of of Luke, Jesus has gone all over the place, healing diseases, curing the folks. People were following him. All the people were following him. It was so marvelous that he sent his apostles out, his disciples out, and he gave them power to speak, and he gave them authority over diseases. And they went out and did so well that even Herod questioned what was going on. And on their return, the apostles came to Jesus and told him all that they had done. And then taking them with him, he went into a city called Bethsaida, And when the crowd found out about it, they all followed him. And he welcomed them. And he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And he healed diseases of all those who needed to be cured. And the day was drawing to a close. And the twelve came to him and they said, send the crowd away. For this is a deserted place. Send them into the countryside and the villages that they might lodge and get provisions. Jesus said to them, you feed them. They said, we have only five loaves and two fish, no more. Unless we're to go out and buy food for all these people, for there were about 5,000 men. And Jesus said, have them all sit down in groups of about 50 each. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, He blessed them, 
broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. All ate and were filled. And afterward, what was left over was gathered, twelve baskets of broken pieces. All ate and were filled. All. And these were people from every nation, tribe, people, and tongue, every nationality, every persuasion, every skin color. And they all ate in the presence of Jesus. And he formed from them a community of all people. For this is our God. Do you know where all those people were from? They were from the Galilee, that place in northern Israel where you have a lot of the observant Jews, lots of synagogues. You also have great Greek cities, and you have the merchants of the world passing by. Jews, Greeks, Canaanites, all folks. Joan, will you come and help me so we can show more clearly what's going on? Jesus' most famous miracle, repeated six times, once in each gospel and twice in Matthew and Mark. And I think that's critically important to explain why this miracle is repeated so often. The only one repeated in all four Gospels. Israel is a little tiny land bridge right here. And if you want to get the gold and the metals from Egypt, you have to go through Israel to get up to the spices and the goods of China and the technology and the iron of Europe. You have to go through this little tiny land bridge. You cannot go through the Syrian or the Arabian desert because there's no provision there. There's no water there. Many in my era will have heard about the Fertile Crescent. You've got to have water and food if you're going to march from these great countries across the world. Israel is at its widest, 50 feet wide. And we have found artifacts from Jesus' time, from all these places. Joan, would you help me get it down again, simply because if we leave it up, that blocks some people out. I know I didn't tell you that, but thank you so much for your help. I really appreciate your help. So there were all people. And the historical geography of the Bible makes it clear what was happening. When Jesus sat the folks down, he did not say, we have no evidence of all. That he said, well, women over here, men over here, uh, Ephesians over here, we'll have the Cretans over here, we'll have, no. They all sat down, and as Michael reminded us a week ago, when you sit down with people you don't know, sometimes you start talking to them. And so they sat down. And so they were together. And a few weeks ago, too, you signed a document saying that we are all people. We are all people. But when our ancestors got ready to come to this country, they forgot about all people and all included. And they decided to separate folks out. The ELCA put this document out in 2019. And in this document, it is written, race is a social construct with no basis in biology. It took shape in the United States through a process that assigned meaning 
to physical differences for political, social, and economic advantage. Also from that document, in 1619, 20 people from Africa are brought to Jamestown, Virginia, sold into slavery. In 1640, servitude for life is established. Separating people by race into white and black, John Punch, a runaway black indentured servant, is sentenced to servitude for life, while his two white companions are sentenced to servitude for seven years. In 1641, Massachusetts becomes the first colony to legalize slavery, and soon the others follow. And it goes on from there. You don't need me to tell you about the horror of slavery, or redlining, or manifest destiny, or how many black and brown soldiers were excluded from the GI Bill, or that our black clergy, almost half, earn less than our white clergy. It was a construct that we made up. It was not part of Jesus' welcome of the crowd. You know all of that. What you don't know is my part in all of that. You see, in the decades of the 70s, my family and I lived in Geneva, Switzerland. And while there, we adopted a beautiful little Filipino child. I had a son who was blonde, a son who was brunette, and this beautiful little girl. She was sparkly and fun. People loved her. They would stop us on the streets and talk to her and talk to the boys and me. In Switzerland, I had three beautiful children. In 1980, when my husband decided it would be better if the children and I went to live in the U.S., I had two children, and that adopted one. In the United States, in Minnesota, my sparkly little child became quieter, more angry, quieter, and more troubled, and I didn't understand why. When she had so much trouble in school, I went to the school to ask, and they said, just wait, don't, don't come yet. Give her time to adjust. I listened. I waited a few weeks, and then I went in to see. The arrangement was that there were groups of four desks, and four desks, and four desks, and four desks, and my daughter was in a desk by herself in the middle of the classroom. I was told it was because she caused trouble, and as I was there, children were running in and out and slamming the doors, and one little girl got her fingers caught in the door, and my daughter sat silently the whole time, trembling. And when I looked at the board, there were four columns. One for those with blonde hair, one for those with brown, one for those with red, and one for those with black hair. And she was the only name in the black hair column. And through our time in those schools, I changed them and I changed them, and I could only see the trouble in my child. I did not see what I had brought her into. I didn't get to talk with my daughter for many, many years. Finally, one day, after she was long gone from home, she came home and exploded at me and talked to me about the hatred and the prejudice and how I had not protected her. Her father never came. 
I was the only adult she could rely on. And I had not seen the reaction of others. I'd only seen my child. And this includes an episode when we were walking down the streets and, and Sarah looked at her arm and, and she started rubbing her arms and she said, am I adopted? And of course I'd always told her, being adopted means you're extra special. And she rubbed her arms and she said, well, I don't want to be. And I still didn't see it. And I've done a lot of reading. And my daughter and I are friends now. And she's got a job she likes. But there were more than 20 years of silence and incredible pain. Thank you for signing what you did two weeks ago. Thank you for the welcome you have extended to everyone I've seen you welcome. Thank you for your welcome of me. Thank you for being you. I don't know how you see. I can only tell you how I see and that I didn't see. I do read a lot of books, Jules. Maybe not the same ones you do, but I do. Um, and I'm starting to see. But I need help with conversations with my daughter to see better. She's forgiven me and she gave me permission to tell you part of her story. Or I wouldn't be speaking. Jules has said, if hatred is part of your Christianity, you're not doing it right. White supremacy to me is the most despicable phrase in our language. It never was. It's become a cult of hatred. It was not as Jesus sat the people down and talked with one another from all nations, all tribes, all genders, all situations. We created that. Tanner says, your walk walks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And your walk, dear saints of all saints, speaks loudly. And I thank you for that. Jesus gathered the people of all nations, of all genders, of all situations, and he gave of his great love. In gathering them, he was communing them with food and creating community between all people. Those that didn't know each other had to be talking. So as we gather here, as we continue to reach out with the food for the immigrants and the place for shelter downstairs and the washing machines and the dryers and the gifts, thank you. There was nothing with Jesus present. There was enough to fill more than 5,000 people. And when what was left over was gathered, there were 12 baskets of broken pieces. All of us have concerns. All of us have needs. In Jesus and in this community, there is the very hope of God. Thanks be to God.